All right, one of the first classes I had to take in Bible college was a class called Biblical Principles of Evangelism. If you don't know, evangelism is simply uh, the activity of sharing Jesus and the good news or the gospel that he came to save us with people who don't know him. To be honest, this class scared me to death. I am kind of an introvert at heart. I don't really like talking to people I don't know, and I'm thinking, okay, now I'm actually going to have to evangelize. Like, I want to be a pastor, but I don't want to have to talk to people that I don't know, okay? Like, what's up with that? I loved Jesus. I was planning to go into ministry, but this really scared, or scared me. There was a lot of fears tied up in it. Like, one of my fears was, what if I'm rejected by them? Which, that's so lame. Like, come on, who cares? Like, so what if I'm rejected by them, or what if I fail? What if I don't actually convert them? See, I'm a perfectionist. If you don't know me, if you know me, you know I'm a perfectionist. And if it doesn't actually happen right there, I feel like I failed, right? So uh, these fears were all tied up in it. And my instructor taught me that our effectiveness in evangelism is not determined by whether or not we get people to pray a prayer of salvation in that moment because we have no control over that. Only God can save somebody. Only God can change a heart. Our job is not to change hearts. Our job is to be obedient when God does give us opportunities to share our faith with people. That's when, or that's when we fail, when we fail to actually share our faith. And with those principles in the backdrop, he said we have to do or have to share our faith three different times if we want to pass the class and, and write papers about it. So you can't just say, hey, I did it. You have to write a paper about it. And I'm thinking, Lord, I cannot screw up my grades because I didn't share about you with people. Please help me to share about you with people. I don't really do it that often, but please help me to do this. And it was getting towards the first paper that was due, and I was working at Target, and I went to Target that night to work, and I usually put my headphones in, because again, I'm just kind of like to keep to myself. I put my headphones in. Back then, I had an iPod Touch and a phone, so it's like your pocket was like huge. I walk around with the iPod Touch, and my iPod Touch had died right before work. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, I can't listen to music. That means I have to talk to people all night. What is going to happen? So Anyways, I, I could kind of sense that God was going to do something, so I prayed and said, God, will you help me to share about you with someone? You know, something the professor talked about was divine appointments, okay? So divine appointments are these opportunities that God gives you throughout your day to share about Jesus with people. It's like God does it. It's not something you do. He just creates these opportunities where the conversation naturally goes spiritual. So I prayed and said, okay, God, give me a divine appointment. I kid you not, like 15 minutes in, a divine appointment happened, and I shared my faith, and I was like, yeah, I don't even care if you respond. I just did it. Woo, I can write it down on a, on a piece of paper that I did it. And honestly, sometimes God will use bad motivations to do good things, right? My motivation was to get an A. I'll be honest with you. But God used that and taught me how to share my faith, and I was just kind of prancing around in the back room. I had this little gun that you like scan stuff. I'm like, boof, boof, yeah, look at me. I'm sharing my faith. I'm actually doing it. And then it gets to like 9.30 at night, and it's me and my least favorite guy in the whole place left. And we're back there unloading a box. And I'm like, I already shared my faith today. I don't have to do it again. <laughs> and then he asked me, he says, hey, what's your major? And my major is pastoral studies. So when you say that, it's like, what is pastoral studies? So I, I shared with him what that is, and he told me he was an atheist. He was kind of aggressive a little bit. He's like, you know, I'm an atheist. I don't really believe in God. He's like, and plus, if I did, I wouldn't you know, follow him right now because I want to sleep around. You know, maybe later I would follow him. And he kind of shared his thoughts, and we talked through some different uh, struggles he has with faith, and we were just able to talk through, and I kind of shared the gospel with him. I shared, I said, hey, man, it's not about not sleeping around with people, although if you encounter Jesus, you're not going to want to sleep around with people. But I said, man, it's not about that. It's about encountering God's love, and as you encounter his love, then you're going to live a holy life. And I was able to share that with him, and he kind of like got disarmed throughout the night. And he didn't like pray a prayer right there. I don't have a crazy story to tell you where he like had got down and said, depart from me for I'm a wicked man, Jesus. That didn't happen. But his heart lightened up a little bit. 
and we were able to have more conversations. So if he was at a negative 10 on the scale of coming to faith at zero and then being a super Christian on positive 10, he came from negative 10 to negative eight that night, right? So, and something I learned was it's not about me changing someone, it's just about being obedient. And I feel good that in that moment I was able to be obedient and I had something to write in my paper. So praise God for that. I ended up getting a good grade. So thank you, Jesus, because it continued. And actually something too, it was crazy as God kind of opened that up for me. There was about 12 guys who worked back there and I shared my faith with almost every single one of them by the time I was done working there the next summer through these opportunities. So I don't say that to pat myself on the back, but just to say that if you're open, God will give you opportunities. Here's the other thing. Nobody put their faith in Jesus. Okay. So I don't have, again, a crazy story, but you know, these guys got closer to Jesus, and maybe today they're following him. Maybe those seeds are growing. I don't know what God did, but our job is to be obedient. Okay, that was such an important year for me in learning how to share Jesus with my friends as I learned stuff in class and then got to apply it at Target. And I think I can speak for most of us in saying that I think sharing our faith is a little bit intimidating. What God wants us to get out of this series is sharing our faith should be a natural part of our lives. It shouldn't be something you feel like you have to do but something that just overflows out of, heart, out of a heart of love and passion for God and people. We talked about this last week. If you love Jesus, you'll tell people about him. It should just naturally overflow in conversation with people as you're making friends with people who don't know Jesus. As our heart beats for those who don't know Christ, it should be a natural overflow. It also shouldn't be something that you feel like you have to do in your own strength, like you practice in front of the mirror. Like, how do I persuade somebody to believe that Jesus is real? It's not something you do on your own strength. Instead, you do it with confidence and trust and say, God will do the saving. I'm just going to be obedient. Okay, so with that said, we're continuing our sermon series all about mission called Heartbeat. And this series is all about the heart of our church. The heart of our church is to reach every last person who doesn't know Jesus, not just in the Cedar Valley, but in Southern Asia, in Africa, in China, and all around the world, right? That's our heart. We want to be a sent church. I pray that missionaries would be raised up out of this house and we'd send you to the ends of the earth. Somebody might feel their heart beating a little bit fast this morning. God might be calling you. Can we send you? Is that okay if we do that? All right. So that's the heartbeat of our church to reach people who are far from God, and not through being the coolest church in town, not through, through having a great service, but, but through going out and making relationships and telling people about the love of Jesus and, and seeing God do the work. We truly want to be a sent church that just wakes up every day and lives on mission. And we want to help our friends become fully devoted followers of Jesus. As we head into our new building, as we approach Easter, as we approach having two services, which means you know, two times for people to come to church. You know, some people, they sleep till 10.01, and they're like, dang, can't go today. Well, there's 11 o'clock service now, right? So as we have more opportunities for people to encounter God, as we have a great space for people to meet God, I think it's an incredible opportunity for us to really amp it up with our evangelism efforts and invite our friends to church and, and invite our friends to meet Jesus. All right, so this sermon is called Our Commitment. Okay, so last week we talked about our heart. Our heart beats for those who don't know Jesus. And this week we're gonna talk about our commitment. And our commitment is to do whatever it takes to get people into the presence of Jesus. If Jesus does the saving, then all we gotta do is get people into his presence. Okay, so turn with me to Mark chapter two. Our story today takes place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's beginning to preach and heal and cast out demons. He's growing in popularity, and people are doing whatever it takes to get just a little bit of time with Jesus, just to get in his presence for a moment. People are wanting to be around Jesus because he has the power of God. And in Mark 2, 1 through 12, we read one of the most amazing stories 
about how someone was led to Jesus and what that person's friends did to get that person to Jesus. So let's read it here. And I just pray that this passage would inspire us to be this kind of church, okay? It says this, and, he w- and when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. See, they needed to move to two services. There's no room. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, that's important. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the, par- or to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. All right, let's pray. Jesus, uh, this morning we just boldly come before you and ask you to move in our midst. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us. Holy Spirit, reveal things in our hearts, maybe things we've been kind of stuffing, God. I pray that you bring it to the surface today and heal us and convict us and comfort us, Lord. God, we want to meet with you. We don't just want to talk. God, we don't want to just read the scripture. We want to meet with you. So Holy Spirit, make the scripture come to life to us today. Speak to us. Challenge us to be the church that you've called us to be. God, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Our story shows how magnetic Jesus was when he ministered. Everywhere he went, he was preaching a compelling but very challenging message. He was healing people and casting out demons, and people wanted to see what was going on. People wanted to be in his presence, especially people who were suffering physically or spiritually. In this story, a group of four friends were willing to do whatever it took to get their paralytic friend into the presence of Jesus. They knew that Jesus had the power to heal, and they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. They even removed a rooftop so they could get their friend to Christ. The only reason they would do something this crazy is if they actually believed that Jesus had the power to heal. When you believe that Jesus has the keys to life, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get people into his presence. Okay, the first point this morning is this, if you're taking notes, and I sure hope you are. Okay, yeah, I hope you are. If we want to see our friends healed, it starts with truly believing that Jesus has the power to heal. Here's the question I got for this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the answer? Do you believe that Jesus has the power to transform lives? Because if you do, you're going to start acting like these crazy four dudes. After, their, after the four men got their friend to Jesus, Jesus forgave him of his sins. He started by giving him a spiritual healing. Then after explaining to the scribes that he does have authority to do that, he tells the paralytic to get up, take his bed, and go home. He physically heals the man. This story shows us that Jesus has the power to take even the most broken of situations as we've kind of seen this morning, and restore them. He can holistically heal us, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. It doesn't matter how messed up our past is. With Jesus, a new future is always possible. One encounter with Jesus can radically transform a life. 
This man's life was not changed because his friends convinced him that Jesus was real. His life wasn't changed because his friends presented Jesus in a persuasive way. His life was changed because he met the real Jesus. The only role these friends had in this story was getting their friend into the presence of Jesus. We don't even know their names. They are just the dudes who ripped off a roof to get their friend to Jesus. When Jesus steps on to the scene of our lives, it changes everything. And these men knew that. As followers of Jesus, we often live and operate like Jesus doesn't really exist. We may attend church, we may serve or give and even do the right things, but we don't actually expect Jesus to do anything in our everyday lives. It's like he's this distant, far-off God who's not really real. And we may believe in the principles and the claims of Christianity, but the actual life of Jesus does not affect our day-to-day lives. And we see this in how we try to lead people to Jesus. We often think it's up to us. we got to be more persuasive. We think it's up to us to convince people to follow him. We go into these conversations like it's all on us. We overthink it. We question what we said. If someone doesn't decide to come to church with us, if someone doesn't pray the prayer of salvation, we think we messed up. We need to remember that it's not on us. If Jesus is really real, then we can trust him to do the heavy lifting in our evangelistic efforts. He loves the people you love more than you do. He wants to save them way more than you do. That should take the pressure off. Our main job is to get people in front of Jesus and let him do the work. We need to share our faith with an understanding that we're trying to introduce our friends to a real person who really does have the power to heal. These four friends knew that all they had to do was get that person into his presence and Jesus would take care of the rest. The same applies today. The Holy Spirit is on the move across the earth. He is still moving in power and all we gotta do is get our friends in his presence and let him do the healing and the transforming. But the question is, how do we do it? How do we get our friends into the presence of the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing, and this might seem weird to you, but the first thing is you actually have to know Jesus yourself. You have to spend time with Jesus yourself. Jesus said that if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. If you don't abide with him, then then you're not going to be able to do anything. So if you remain with Jesus, if you walk with Jesus, you're naturally going to start bearing fruit. People are going to start becoming disciples of Christ. People will put their faith in Jesus. It starts with you spending time with him because when people look at you, they got to see Christ in you. If you claim to follow Jesus, but they don't see Jesus in you, why would they follow him? Because he doesn't actually change anything about their lives. Your life is saying, hey, Jesus doesn't actually do anything. But if you spend time with Jesus, people are going to see that. They're going to want to know why you are the way you are. And that opens up opportunities for you to lead people to Christ. The second thing is we have to pray and look for divine appointments. Every morning we got to wake up, get on our knees and say, Holy Spirit, there are people who are going to come across my path today who don't know you. Please give me opportunities uh, to share my faith with them. Please open up their heart before I even get to them so I can share the gospel with them and they can be changed forever. Pray and look for the divine appointments. Look for those opportunities and conversations when you can share your faith naturally with someone. The third thing is invite people to church. I know I'm not just trying to grow our church, right? But invite people to church is a good thing because when people come in here, they see two or three are gathered, right? Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, then I am there with them. So when you invite people who don't know Christ to come into this house, they see the people of God gathering and they sense the presence of God moving in the midst of God's people. There's no better evangelism tool than to to get people into the presence of God and to get people to the community of God. Okay, so that's why we invite people to church. If you do these things, people will start to come to know Jesus in your life. You'll see it. And the beautiful thing with inviting people to church is we ordered 5,000 invite cards. 
not just 5,000 door hangers. We got to get the invite cards too. And there's two to choose from. There's one general one that just kind of tells about our church, and it has service times that start in two weeks. So make sure if you pass one out this week that you say, hey, that doesn't actually start for two weeks. It's actually 10 o'clock at the Hilton this week. But then the other one's for Easter. Okay, so every person, according to my calculations, can get about 25 apiece. Okay, so I'm just saying, grab some cards after church and don't be shy about it. If you want to take the whole box, well, don't do that because those are kind of expensive. But take 25 each, okay? All right, a few, or a few years ago, I went to Las Vegas on a mission trip, and we did door-to-door evangelism. So we split up into pairs, and we literally walked through the ghettos of Vegas, and we, and we knocked on doors. And when they answered the door, we would say, hey, we're followers of Jesus. Could we pray with you today? that doesn't scare you. I don't know what does. You know, I'm just like, what am I doing? And I was supposed to be a leader on this trip. I'm like, I've never done something like that. Why am I leading a trip that people are doing this? This is really weird. Okay, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm the pastor, which I only had one student with me. Okay, so just me and one student. That's when Kyle was really small. And then other campuses had a ton of students. But it's me and my one student. I'm like, okay, I'm the pastor. I got to like know what I'm doing here. So God, like again, pride kind of gets in. Like, God, please help me to have some cool stories to tell. So the first couple days, there's no stories to tell. It was like, you knock, the dog starts barking, and it's like a vicious dog runs at you, and they're like, can I pray with you? And they're like, get out of here. I'm like, okay, this isn't working out. So the first couple of days wasn't really that great, but then the third day, God just really opened up some doors. I had a really good group of people with me because we split up into these groups, and we just saw God do some amazing things. The, or the first thing that happened is we met a guy named Tim, and Tim was just emotional. He had lost his mom and his best friend within the last three months, and, and he was a lonely guy, you know, struggled with drinking, all that kind of stuff, and, and we're just able to share Jesus with him and pray with him, and he said, I feel like God sent you here to me today to encourage me, and then we asked him, well, would you want to put your faith in Jesus, and he said, yes, I do, and, and we prayed with him, and he put his faith in Christ. It was an amazing story, but then I'm like, okay, again, it's one of those times where I'm like, okay, I got my one. I'm feeling good, but then we go down the street, and there's another guy named Chris, and Chris is really like kind of bashful, kind of nervous, kind of nervous about church people. Like, I think sometimes the world thinks that church people are really creepy. Okay, so we got to try to deconstruct that, right? But, but he's like, these guys are weird. They're trying to pray with me. But, you know, we shared with him and, and prayed with him. And then here's the thing. The reason why we prayed with people first, I didn't say this, but the reason why that was our strategy is we wanted to invite the presence of Jesus into the conversation before we even started trying to share anything with him. Okay, so we prayed with him and his heart begins to kind of soften. And I feel led to ask him, what's your experience like with church? I just sense that you had a bad experience. And he proceeded to tell me that he grew up in the Mormon church and had some really bad experiences. And I was able to encourage him and preach the gospel to him. And I asked him if he wanted to put his faith in Christ. And he said yes. And we prayed with him. And it was an amazing story. And and I share this to say that with both of these men, God was working their hearts before we got there. And the big thing was we invited the Holy Spirit into the room right away. We said, Holy Spirit, be here. Praying with people is a great way to evangelize. It's a great way because you're inviting God into the conversation. And I just want to trust, too, that the Holy Spirit's been working with them since then. Because, again, the Holy Spirit loves them more than we do. If we're going to endeavor to see our friends healed and come to know Jesus, we have to believe that Jesus is actually real. I know that sounds, like, obvious, but you actually have to believe he's real, like the Holy Spirit's really moving and operate under an understanding that he is working with us as we share our faith. We're not introducing people to a philosophy or to a religion. We're not trying to convince people of a dead God's existence. We're simply messengers from the living God who are trying to get people into his presence. As C.S. Lewis said, we're not trying to make bad people good. We're trying to make dead people come to life, and only God can make a dead person come to life, right? We can't do that. We can't change someone's heart. God has to reach in and change that person's heart. 
That's what we're asking God to do as we go and share our faith. And as we get people into the presence of Jesus, we're gonna see miracles, just like those four friends got to see as they got their paralytic friend into the presence of God. Okay, so reaching our friends starts with truly believing that Jesus is alive and that he has the power to heal. If we really believe that he is alive and on the move today through the Holy Spirit, then it should cause us to change some things about the way we live. It should cause us to do some things a little bit differently. Okay, so read verse two through five here again. Let's read this. It says, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room and not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they, or they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to, the, or said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, second and final point today is this. If we really believe that Jesus heals, we will take radical steps of faith in getting our friends to him. These friends were so convinced of the power of Jesus that they were willing to do whatever it took. They knew if they could just get him into the presence of Jesus for a moment, it could change everything. In the same way, if we really believe this Jesus, if we really believe in him, if we really believe that those who don't accept his sacrifice on the cross and put their faith in him are going to hell, it should lead us to do some radical things to get them into the presence of Jesus. James 2.17 says, so faith also by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If faith don't have works, it's dead. If you really believe that Jesus is real, you're gonna tell people about him. If you really have faith and believe he's alive and moving, you're gonna do some things differently. If you truly have faith that Jesus Christ came out of heaven and he lived a perfect life, he didn't just live a perfect life, though he died on the cross for our sins, bearing the penalty of our sins on his back. If you believe that, if you believe that he went into a grave and then after three days he came up out of that grave, making eternal life possible and defeating death, sin, hell, and the grave through doing that, if you really believe that, you're gonna tell some people about him. If you really believe that the Holy Spirit of God is on the move throughout the earth today and changing hearts, you're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to move in conversations with your friends. You're gonna tell people about this Jesus we should be excited about reaching out to our friends and confident that God is with us. We're not doing it on our own strength. These friends got that. Their faith led to action. In verse five, it says that Jesus saw their faith. The question today for us sent church is this. If Jesus looked at us, would he see our faith? Through the things we're doing, through how we're reaching out to our friends, would he see our faith? Through, I, sorry, the one time I don't bring my water bottle up, I'm getting a little bit of, uh, there's something there. I'd never take a drink, but I'm going to do this today because I was just worshiping so hard. Yeah. You can't do fresh fire, okay, and then want me to preach afterwards. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> back to this. So if Jesus looked at us, and he's looking at us right now, does he see our faith through the way we live, through the way we love, through the way we forgive people, through the way we try to get people into his presence? Does Jesus see our faith? Are we truly living a life that believes that Jesus can heal? Because if we are, we will do whatever it takes to get people to him. We'll even rip a roof off if we have to. Sorry, roof, you're gone. <laughs> so what would it look like in our context if we had genuine faith that Jesus could heal our friends? Start to think about that. What would it look like? What would it look like if, if you really believe that and you, and you live that out in your day-to-day -day life, in your job, at school, with your family? What would it look like? What steps would you take to get your friends into the presence of Jesus? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. When I became the Kyle director at UNI in 2015, 
I was 22 years old, which I know a lot of you are 22 years old. Okay, so imagine doing that at 22. I was scared out of my mind, didn't know what was going on. Like, I don't even know how to preach. I don't know how to pastor. I don't know how to counsel. don't know how to reach my friends, obviously, through the stories I've told you. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I go onto the campus, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to find as many people as I can. I had a few connections uh, or with some freshmen that were coming in, like, like five or so freshmen. So I'm like, I'm going to go to all their dorms and talk to them and say, you better be at Chi Alpha, okay? I'm like, I really don't want to preach to just my student leaders that first week. And, and one of the guys I met was Regan Shonk. Where's Regan Shonk at? Back here in the blue sweatshirt. Great guy. Okay, so I'm outside Ryder Hall, and the door's locked because strangers aren't supposed to come into the dorms. And I'm knocking like, hey, let me in. And Regan's walking by like, who's that weird guy? He comes and lets me in. And actually, Regan happened to be a guy who went to a church that was connected with Chi Alpha, uh, so I kind of knew of him. It was just really cool. I ran into him. I was able to invite him to Chi Alpha. He started serving, running sounds, uh, doing setup, and he's still with us today. Come on, six years later. Thank you, Reagan. Come on, Reagan. He, he's been so faithful. He's been so faithful. Thank you, Reagan. Seriously, he's still with us today, and it's not about our church. It's not about Chi Alpha. It's not about how great we are. It's about the fact that he got into the presence of God. He's like, hey, I want to be a part of this community. And then a couple hours later, maybe the next day, I don't remember, but I met another guy. I didn't meet another guy. I went to another guy's dorm named John Griffin. Okay, so John, I think he's on, where's he at? He's in the back over there. So John Griffin, he was a freshman coming in. I knew of him because I was really good friends with his sister, plus Derek was friends with him growing up. And, you know, I wasn't close with him, though, but I texted him and said, hey, can I show up to your dorm and just kind of talk to you about Kai off a little bit? And he's like, sure. So I go in there, and he's got like, like three computer monitors. He's got like games, like different games, I think, on, on the different, I'm kidding. He had, you know, a ton of games. He had like a headset on. I think he had a couple headsets on. He's like, yeah, gaming hard. And I'm trying to talk to him, and he's like, I can't look at you, dude. I'm trying to do this. No, I'm kidding. He was, he was better than that. I'm being uh, dramatic here. But I sit in his beanbag chair, and I said, man, Kai Alpha changed my life. God changed my life through Kai Alpha. Would you just be willing to come one time? If you don't like it, you don't have to come back, but come one time. And the thing I'm thinking in the back of my head is I'm thinking, if I can get him into the presence of God, it could change everything. So I don't need to convince him right now that Jesus is real or convince him of anything. I just need to get him to the service. He comes to the service, sits in the back. He kind of looks hesitant, and God does something in his heart, and at the end of the service, he raises his, raises his hand to put his faith in Jesus, and he described it later to me by saying he just knew that that was gonna be his life now. Like, this is it. This is my life now, walking with Jesus, being in community, and now he's a pastor. He's one of the pastors with Kyle. Alpha. Come on. So... So the point I'm making is it's about getting people into the presence of Jesus. It's not about you. My stories aren't that great. It's not like I'm like, you know, sharing all this theological truths and, and they're like weeping in their dorm and I'm praying for them. It didn't happen like that. I just said, hey, just get into the presence of God and he'll take care of it. And sometimes you do have to share your faith in that moment. I'm not just saying to invite to church, but I'm saying if you get people into God's presence, he will take care of the rest. And our story in Mark, these friends had the tenacity to actually do something about their faith. They were willing to remove any barrier to get their friends to Jesus. So in our modern 21st century American context, what roofs do we need to remove to get people to Jesus? What barriers do we need to remove to get people to Christ? If we really believe that Jesus is real, we must be committed to getting these barriers out of the way so people can have an encounter with Jesus. So let's kind of go through this. I, I feel like there's a couple things the Lord gave me. I think it's from the Lord. We'll see. If you disagree, that's fine. But, but, but here's the barriers that I, I really feel like we're wrestling with in our modern context. The first barrier is inauthentic Christians. The biggest barrier to getting people to Jesus is people who claim to know Jesus that don't actually know Jesus. I'll say it again. The biggest barrier to getting people to Jesus is there's many people in our country who say they know Jesus and they don't know Jesus. 
So then people are like, I don't really want what that person has. And they think they know what Christianity is about because they're, they're getting it from people who don't actually even know Jesus or follow his teachings. If we want to remove this barrier, we must remember that reaching our friends starts with us being legit. Actually love Jesus. Actually follow him. Actually read the Bible. Actually spend time with him. It starts with us being authentic. As people see that we're authentic, they're going to be interested in this Jesus because they're going to see Jesus in us. And they're going to say, I want that because Jesus is compelling, right? And if they see Jesus in us, they're going to want to know what's going on. The second barrier is ignorance. And I don't mean this in a sassy way, okay? So ignorance. What I mean by this is most Americans think they know who Jesus is, and they think they know what Christianity is about. In some ways, and I know we have missionaries here, so I'm, I'm not saying that it's easy what you guys are doing, but I think in some ways it can be easier to reach people who have no idea, because then they don't have all these, these preconceived notions about who Jesus is, and all these things they get it mixed up with. For us, we have to deconstruct like a billion things before we can get them to the real Jesus. It can be hard. They're ignorant. They think they've already rejected Jesus, but they've actually rejected a Jesus that I don't, I don't even know, that the Bible doesn't even preach. It's like, I don't know your Jesus either that you're rejecting. So sometimes ignorance is something we wrestle with. And I think also people struggle with like the questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? Like those kind of things. So they're wrestling with these questions. They don't know the answers to them. And it's putting up a barrier between them and Jesus. So what is the solution to this? Patience and love. The best way to help people who are encountering this barrier is to be patient and loving with them as they process. If they ask questions, be able to give a gracious answer to their questions. Be a kind guide who gently leads people towards the real Jesus. If they reject the real Jesus, which many will, right? In Jesus' ministry, a lot of people rejected him. If they reject him, then there's nothing you can do about that. That's not on you. But let's make sure they're rejecting the right Jesus. We also need to live lives that are so full of love that it causes them to press through the ignorance and seek to find out more. The third barrier is tribalism. Okay, so this is another barrier in our context, and it's really bad right now. Because of social media algorithms and the polarization in our world, we generally only talk to people who we agree with about things. And we're often tempted to go further and demonize people who we disagree with. And we lose our love for them. And this is so far from God's heart. Jesus loved those who were the furthest from him. This tribalism makes it hard for us to get to know people who don't know Jesus. Because if you're a Christian, you tend to only see stuff on your Facebook and spend time with people who are Christians. And I know I struggle with this even, right? Okay, so the solution to this is relationships. Okay, the solution is to press through the tribalism, refuse to hate people who are different than you. Think about when, okay, Stephen, I just read in Acts 7, Stephen gets stoned, and as he's getting stoned, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What if we had that posture towards people who we disagree with? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. When hatred starts to bubble up, that just pushes people away from Jesus. They say, I don't want that. Okay, so we have to pray and say, God, help us to forgive, help us to be loving, help us to build relationships with people, help us to be patient. And as we do this, we'll have opportunities to introduce people to the real Jesus. Okay, the fourth barrier, and this is the last one for today, I'm sure there's like a billion of them, but it's comfort. And this is something that I think each of us have a barrier with too. Christians can get really comfortable. We don't actually follow Jesus because we just want to be comfortable. That's another sermon. We'll save that one for later in the summer when less people are here because everyone's boating or something. All right, so... <laughs> All right, so we live in a particularly comfortable society. People often won't make a faith change unless they meet a crisis. They need to have a crisis to make a change. Since we're so comfortable, it's tough for people to actually consider making a change. This is a huge barrier in our culture. People, I'm going to say this really bluntly, people are, are pretty lazy and they're far too easily pleased. 
Okay, they don't want something more. So comfort is a barrier. So what's the solution to this? And I like this one. Power. Authentic power. A demonstration of the Holy Spirit. People need to encounter the power of God. They need to see the power of Jesus demonstrated to them through supernatural love and Holy Spirit activity. And they need to hear the gospel preached with authority and with power as well. They need someone to be willing to share the gospel that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. They need to hear the gospel preached. They need to see the gospel demonstrated. They need to encounter the power of God. As they encounter that, the comfort's not going to be enough anymore. These are just a few of the barriers that I thought of this week, but there's more you can think about it, talk about it in your small group, whatever. I think we talked about that a bit this last week in small group, actually. But the point is we need to be a people. If we really want to reach our culture, we have to be authentically Christian. We have to be patient and loving. And we have to be relationship builders. And we have to be people of power. Okay, we need the actual power of God. Not just religion, but power. If we do that, this will help remove barriers that get in the way of people meeting Jesus. We will be I feel like every day we'll be ripping the roof off and lowering people closer to Jesus. Who wants to rip a roof off? Come on. I'm ready. Let's rip a roof off. I'm ready. Come on. We're moving into a new building. We have an opportunity to invite people to Easter service. Let's rip some roofs off in the Cedar Valley. That's what I'm believing for, okay? The main idea today is this. Our heartbeat must be to do whatever it takes to get our friends into the presence of Jesus. Okay, so some of you today are like me, and it can be naturally intimidating for you to share your faith. Jesus wants to encourage you today that he made you and wired you the way you are for a reason, right? So if you're introverted and quiet, he made you that way. That doesn't mean that it's okay not to share your faith, but it is okay to be you and to do it in the way that's natural for you. Okay, so maybe you're not going to be the type of person to run around on the street and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That might not be you, although that's your thing, go for it. It, it might not be your thing, although I think this is good, but it might not be your thing to talk to random people all the time in coffee shops, although I think that would be good. However, he does expect you to be obedient when you are given opportunity. So you do have friends, hopefully. Hopefully you have friends with people who don't know Jesus. Hopefully you work somewhere or, or you encounter people who don't know Jesus. And naturally, in conversation, look for opportunities to share Jesus. Look for opportunities to just tell people, I love Jesus. Don't just say it randomly, but you can say, hey, I'm going to church this weekend because I just love Jesus. And they're like, what are you talking about, dude? It can open up a conversation. Make friends, be a loving person, and watch God work miracles. Remember that it's not up to you to save people. You don't have to be an extrovert to reach people. God will do the saving. Your job is to be obedient and to make the most of the opportunities that he does give you. Others of you are talkers. You're more natural at talking to people. Maybe you call yourself extroverted. You're bolder by nature, and you need to know that Jesus has certainly wired you the way you are for a reason, and he wants you to be a vital part of reaching our city. He wants you to use your gifts, and not just to talk a lot, but to share Jesus with people. You know, maybe God's given you an evangelism gift, and he wants you to use that. Don't just talk at people, right? Evangelism is not just going and talking at people. Most of the time, it's actually listening to people as they process through their struggles. So don't just talk at people, but go and make friends. Be that bubbly personality that you are. Be that person who can talk to random people. Use that for the kingdom of God. Let people share their experiences, and as, as they do, share Jesus with these people. Finally, there might be some people here this morning who were talking about reaching people, and you kind of came on an interesting Sunday, right? We're talking about reaching people, and you're like, I don't even know Jesus that's you. I just want you to know that God brought you here for a reason. I know it's kind of a weird message to sit in on when you don't know Jesus, but
But I pray that God would grab your heart this morning. As I talked about Jesus grabbing hearts, he wants to do that for you today. He wants to meet you. He loves you. He knows every hair on your head. And you might be thinking about all the things you've done, all the ways you messed up, but the beautiful thing is because of the cross of Jesus Christ where he paid for our sins. If you trust in Jesus, he can forgive you of everything, your whole past. And not just forgive you, but give you power for a new future so you don't have to go back to that life. All you've got to do, Romans 10 tells us, all you've got to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. So it's a simple prayer of trust as God's working in your heart. You respond to him and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, be my Lord, be my King. Let's take an opportunity, let's take this opportunity to give people a chance to do that. So if you would stand all across this room, it's a simple thing we do here at Ascent Church. Every week we wanna give people an opportunity to put their faith in Christ because we're a church who wants to live on mission. We want you to know Jesus. So if you wanna put your faith in Christ today, all I want you to do is I'm gonna count to three and we're gonna have every head bowed, every eye closed, so you can do that now. But I'm gonna count to three. When I do, I just want you to slip your hand up to heaven and say, hey, Jesus, that's me. I want to be saved. I want to be in your family. I want to be your son or daughter. I want you to forgive me of my sins. Not just say, I want to be in your family, but Jesus, I repent of my sins. I'm turning around. I'm turning from my old life. All you got to do is put your trust in Jesus and he'll save you. So on, on the count of three, if that's you, slip up your hand. One, two, three. Let's see it all across this room. See that hand? Is there anyone else? See that hand? Is there anyone else? All right, you can put your hands down. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of faith and you just pray in your heart. Jesus wants to speak to you. He wants to communicate with you. Just speak to him now and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice on the cross. Jesus, I repent of my ways. So God, this morning we come to you and we ask you to make us your sons and daughters. God, we repent of the ways we've messed up. We repent, God. We turn around and we say, Jesus, save us this morning. We thank you for what you've done on the cross. We thank you for rising from the grave. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, calling us to be a sent church. We're not just going to be a church that's called sent. We're actually going to be a sent church who lives on mission. Who knows that as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us. He's called us for such a time as this. There are 61,000 who don't know Jesus, and he's called us to be his mouthpieces and preach his good news to our cities. The question this morning, though, is are we going to take up that call? Are we going to be like Isaiah and say, here am I. Send me, Lord. Send me. All right, so let's lift our hands to heaven right now. Let's pray. Let's say, God, empower us today. So Jesus, we ask you to empower us with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, send us to the Cedar Valley. God, help us not just to live here, but to really reach people here. God, give us opportunities. Give us divine appointments, Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit, we need your power this morning. Empower us, God. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, let's worship Jesus one more time.